You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, it was just about three months ago in March. I was going through my normal morning routine, brushing my teeth with the radio on in the background. I hear the familiar voice of Steve Inskeep on NPR. Just happened to catch my attention because he told this wacky story about a young guy who accidentally got invited uh, by email to a bachelor party in Philadelphia and flew all the way from Seattle to go to this party. I want you to hear this little clip from uh, NPR radio. Good morning, I'm Steven Skeep. It's so annoying to get emails intended for somebody else, especially if it's planning for a Philadelphia bachelor party and you live outside Seattle. Have no idea who the groom is. This is what happened to Joey DiGiulio. He was on the email chain by mistake. He watched the preparations unfold. He finally announced he was the wrong guy and the groom decided that Mr. DiGiulio might as well show up. DiGiulio accepted the invitation. It's morning edition. So I hear this, and I'm thinking about my Easter sermon, and uh, my text is Isaiah 25, which is this great passage about uh, the celebration that will happen when Jesus abolishes death, the party. And I think, oh my gosh, here's this story about a party where an unlikely guy gets invited, and he actually goes to the party. So I want to tell this story in my Easter sermon, which I do. What I didn't expect is a couple days later to get an email from Joey DiGiulio. Uh, and I think, oh my gosh, I really got to do my facts, fact checking before I uh, use these stories. I hope I got it right. Uh, turns out Joey DiGiulio is a believer in Jesus Christ. And uh, he was thanking me for uh, using this story in my Easter sermon. Who would have guessed, not only did he hear the sermon online, but he's actually come to worship Jesus with us tonight. So I want you to introduce Joey DiGiulio. <laughs> Joey, come on up here. Thanks for coming. Absolutely, my pleasure. This guy's like a real live wedding crasher. He went to the bachelor party. He also went to the wedding. I did. And uh, we want to know what in the world you were thinking. So you're on this email distribution list. I guess this is February or whatever. Your name is DiGiulio with a capital G in there. J. With a J. Right. Uh, Okay. Somebody else has a capital G. Correct. And uh, so he didn't get the email. Someone typed out, you got the email. What were you thinking? Yeah. So when I was reading through the email, I'm kind of at that point in my life where it's not unexpected to get these sort of emails. And I was reading through thinking, hey, it's just another bachelor party. And the more I read, the more confused I got because I didn't know anyone in this email, never been to Philadelphia and realized that it was just a mistake. Most guys would have hit delete at that point. Right. you went to the bachelor party. I did. What I did. the world were you yeah. thinking? So there was about a five-week span where I just kind of hung in the background as a fly on the wall and was kind of listening to some of the messages going back and forth. And finally, there was a call for a head count. And I thought, well, I've kind of been here. If I'm going to say something, I've got to do it now. Um, so I decided to write back and said, you know, I don't really know who any of you guys are, um, but I hope you have a great time anyway. And I must just have been here by mistake. And, and to my surprise, they said, well, you know what? Let's each ship in a few bucks and get you a plane ticket to come out to Philadelphia and have a, wow. have a good time with us. That's pretty so. cool. That is pretty cool. So I don't know if I dare ask you this question in church, but what was the bachelor party like? <laughs> It was a PG-rated bachelor party, so okay. uh, we did a Ride the Duck tour. Um, they actually donated a duck from the Ride the Duck company out in Philadelphia. I think that was our idea first here there in Seattle. Exactly, we had these right? duck tours. Exactly. So we did that, and then we ended up at a sports bar, watched the March Madness, and then uh, finished the night playing some blackjack at a casino. Okay. So. I won't ask how you did at the tables, but you, uh, 
sent me this email, and you said, George, the thing is, I'm an, I'm, I'm, I'm an ordinary guy. I live a regular life. I'm not right. used to the limelight. Mm -hmm. And yet, here you are. I mean, this story has gone viral. It's exploded. Yep. Uh, people know your name all over the place. Sure. Um, what's that been like? It's been crazy, to say the least. Um, I've probably done 30 different television interviews, radio interviews, all sorts. I was on the Rachel Ray show. Rachel just, Ray. Okay. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And Jeff's there, right? Yeah. In this picture? That's right. There's Jeff. Jeff in the, the yellow, yellow sweater. They say yep. these guys look alike, too. Yeah, That's kind of weird bit, as yeah. well, a little bit. So, But no, it's just been an amazing journey, and, and I'm just glad that we were able to, to give them a great gift as well with the GoFundMe campaign. Yeah, now he's referring to this crowdsourcing website. Originally, the idea was to put together enough money just to get a plane ticket for Joey to go to Philadelphia. Uh, when it went live, you got a lot of donations in the first 20 hours? Yeah, so initially the goal was just to get me out there, and within the first 20 hours, that was already paid for, and money kept coming in. So I thought, well, what do I do now? And I decided that since I'd seen in the email chain that they were going to be going to Italy for, our, for their honeymoon, why not see if I can pay for some of that? And so that's what we did. How much have you raised? Uh, over eight grand. Over $8,000. Not a bad gift for someone that you don't know. And they went to Italy. Rachel Ray gave them a two-week cruise she did. Uh, yep, from Italy. And uh, also they met the Pope. They did. This is an amazing story. I had nothing to do with that. Can you that. introduce me so, to the Pope? Uh, I'll talk to Jeff. So. Okay. No, that was actually something they had planned uh, beforehand. It was certain times of the year. If you get married, you can go and visit with the Pope. And so they got to do that. Super excited. They're Catholic, so they were very excited about that. Julie, man, you're not an ordinary guy. I love the way you dove into this story with both feet. And uh, we're really proud you. of you. We're going to get to hear a little bit more from Joey later on after the sermon. Because uh, there's more to the story. And I want you to hear uh, the rest of it. But... Uh, before I let you go right now, one last question, because sure. I'm worried about this one guy who misspelled his name. Yep. Um, did you ever meet, did he ever get to go to the bachelor party? He did. He the did. other did, Julio. Yep. So, so Jim was his first name. Um, he was actually very gracious about the whole thing. When we found out the snafu, looped him back in, and his first comment back is he's like, well, if Joey's going, I guess I'll give him my place. Um, but no, he was able to come anyway, and we had a great time, got to meet yeah, him. Yeah, but you brought $8,000 with you, and now sure. you have a Hollywood pr uh, producer, right, or uh, agent, agent, an agent. Manager, attorney, the whole night, yeah. His, so there may be a young, movie coming up. Possibly. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we don't so. know. All right. Let's yeah. welcome Joey DiGiulio. Thank, Thank you for being here. As we gather our tithes and offerings, uh, let's begin it with prayer. And just sort of in the mystery of life, it's almost like the kingdom of God is crowdsourced. I don't know how Jesus does this, but as we worship Jesus and we respond to his generosity by giving back to him, he takes that money and he uses it to bless people around the world. When you give at UPC, you invest in our shared mission to share hope. Uh, around the world. So I want to encourage you to give and give generously. If you'd like to give today uh, by using your phone, there are some instructions in our order of worship that you got when you came in tonight. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the scriptures tell us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. You've given us the greatest gift, your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for ours. We thank you for your generosity and for the privilege that we are drawn now into the very same cause for which you sent him to bless the world. So we ask your blessing on these tithes and these offerings. We pray that you'll multiply them and just as you've blessed us, you'll bless other people, that they will find hope in Jesus Christ and that he'll get all the glory. In his name we pray, amen. Well, Joey tells me it was 2.45 a.m., and he had a decision to make. And that decision was represented to him by two buttons on a web page. One button said submit, 
And the other said, cancel. And this for him was a fork in the road, and he could never have imagined what this decision would mean. He could click submit, and that would allow the crowdsourcing webpage to go live, go public with this crazy idea. What he wouldn't have known is that he would be taking this trip across the United States and into the media limelight, possibly something that could significantly change the rest of his life. On the other hand, he could click cancel and just go to bed. And it was late. When he sent me this email just after Easter, one of the paragraphs he wrote really struck me. I want to read it to you. Joey wrote this. He said, I think if there were one takeaway from this entire experience that I'd want people to know, it's just how amazing our lives are. Just how amazing our lives are. Certainly the vast majority of the time we deal with the routine and normal ups and downs that it is to be human, but on occasion... There are times when an opportunity to really live presents itself. I want you to think about that because it's one of our values here to be alive in Christ, to live alive in Christ. And we believe that when you follow Jesus through his Holy Spirit, Christ literally lives within your life. And if Christ lives within your life, then you've got to believe there will be moments in which you are invited given opportunities to really live. And Joey happened to take one of those moments. It seems to me in this whole crazy story, Joey was brought face to face with a question, so what's my life? What is this thing I've been given, my life? Well, actually, this is a question that the Bible puts to all of its readers. What is your life? And I want you to think about that tonight. What is your life? The question comes to us, Tonight, through, we believe, the brother of our Lord Jesus, uh, James, the author of the epistle of James in the fourth chapter, he raises this question, what's your life? And he raises it in the context of a discussion of career, which is important uh, to him, to us, and also to Jesus Christ. So would you open up your Bibles, please, to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And if you're just grabbing the Pew Bible there, that black book in front of you will do. You turn over to page 982. You'll find our text tonight. And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand with us. Let's read this text out loud, every one of us, as an act of worship to honor our Savior. When we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. So that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading his holy word. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there, doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. This is the word of the Lord. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. Please be seated. You know what strikes me about this text? Just at first reading, it seems that James quotes something 
that you and I could hear on Monday morning at the water cooler. Did you notice that verse 13? Just have another look. He quotes somebody, puts some quotes. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Now, there's a, an ancient Greek style of teaching called the diatribe. It's when you have one speaker who imagines other interlocutors and has imaginary conversations with these conversation partners. And this is what James is doing. So he's, he's created uh, another character. It's not an actual person, but I call this a, a merchant. And I call this quotation the merchant's plan. The reason the merchant's plan is interesting to me is not just because it's so contemporary, but also because I think it incorporates the three big career questions that all of us deal with. And those three questions are, where should I go, how long should I stay, and what should I do? Do you see how all of these are built into that merchant's plan, that one statement in between the quotation marks? It has to do with location, timing, and purpose. Location, where should I go? New York or Austin? Chicago or Scottsdale? Where should I go? It has to do with timing. Should I stay in my job until I get my retirement benefits accrued? Should I stay another six months? Should I stay a decade? How long should I stay? Timing. And then also implicit in it is, of course, purpose. Go and do some business and make some money, he says. And, and we ask questions, of, well, what should I do? Should I, should I go into business? Should I go into construction? Should I go into programming? Should I go into being a, 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 a realtor, a nurse? Or, or maybe grandparenting is my career at this point. What is it that I should do? The word career, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, refers to a person's course or progress through life. Course or progress through life. They trace it back to the Latin word for chariot, carus. And you can even hear in that similarity to our English word car, carus, chariot. The Latin would evolve, carus would become cararia, which sounds like a really fast uh, uh, chariot. But Carraria meant a track or a path for a wheeled vehicle, like a, like a chariot. This word then would be transported into Old French, and here we find the word carrière, uh, which meant race course or road. So you see, all this suggests that a career is the course or the progress that you make through life. It's a road, and your life is the car that travels on that road. When you think about career this way, you, you realize we're, we're talking about something that's bigger than just where your paycheck comes from, this job or that job. We're really talking about all the choices you make from birth to glory on this earth. Where should I go? How long should I stay? And what should I do? We don't just ask these questions uh, once. We ask them continuously, don't we? Those of you who are just graduating, graduating from high school or from college, you're getting in the car, you're loading all the stuff up, and you're going, okay, where are we headed? What's this going to look like? Those of you who are at midlife, um, oftentimes it's very wise to pull over to the side of the road, onto the shoulder, and ask a few questions like these to say, you know, are my values, my core beliefs really well reflected in the kinds of things that I've been doing? We ask, maybe a mid-course correction is in order. And then in retirement, uh, towards the end of our careers, 
When that paved highway turns into a dirt road and we face what Marilyn Robinson calls the indignities of age, and yet we realize we want to face them with courage because we believe we can do some things yet that would leave a lasting legacy among those whom we love and here in human history. So we ask these questions. Well, I wonder, what help does James offer us? What answers does he give? And uh, in true fashion, it seems to be a trait that runs in the family, just like Jesus. He doesn't actually answer our question. He gives us another question to consider, a bigger question. And that's the question, what is your life? If we can somehow reflect on what our life is, we might begin to get some guidance. What is your life? Now, notice there's an alternative uh, plan here. I talked about the merchant's plan in this first quotation in verse 13. If you look again at your page, you'll see quotation marks again appear in verse 15. Now there's another speaker, another character. And this is the one that James commends to his readers. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes or wills, we will live and do this or that. This is what I would call a disciple's plan. A disciple, as you know, is a follower of Jesus. And this is an alternate uh, plan. If the Lord wishes. Now, I want to say, we notice one thing right away, and that is that James has no objection to planning. Let's not be confused about that. He has no objection to business, and he has no objection to making profit. He says nothing about those things. But what he does have a, an objection to is the conceit that you and I can determine the destination of our lives, that you and I could just make up the best way to get there, uh, and that you and I have to travel alone. James, no, you're not alone. The Lord wishes something for you. Before you ever dreamed a dream for your life or heard a commencement speaker tell you you should, God dreamed a dream for you. God dreamed you into existence, everything about you even the circumstances of your life. He has a wish for your life. He wishes something for you. What does he wish? He wishes first that you will live, James says. If the Lord wishes, we will live. And he wants you to live. He wants you to have abundant life, eternal life, then and now. And then he wishes that you'll do this or you'll do that. So James says, I want you to think about what is your life. Reminds me very much of a question that Jesus asked in Luke 9.25. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? I tell you, that single question stopped me dead in my tracks when I was in college. I've told some of you this before. Um, because I had been primed. I thought my life purpose was to try and gain the whole world for myself. And so this question... I typed it up and I put it on the door of my dorm room so that every time I came and went, I would see that. And it was almost like Jesus was standing in my doorway. So that when I left my dorm room to go out, Jesus said, so George, you going out today? You going out to try to gain the world? I just want you to know when you walk by me, you walk by the one who can give you what the world can never give you. And that is yourself. I can give you yourself. I can give you life. The life you were created to live. If the Lord wishes means that the Lord has a dream for this creation. And if we're paying attention to the epistle of James, we get a sense of what kind of world God dreams about. Just what have we covered so far as James has talked about? Well, justice and peace and reconciliation 
and healing, he'll talk about later in the next chapter, and people who use their tongues to bless and not to curse. This is God's dream. And, you know, his dream for your life is going to be a part of that big dream for all of creation. He does wish that you'll do this or that you'll do that. Notice that this is a God who gives good gifts. In chapter 1, verse 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above. Not from below. Not something you generate. It's from above, from the Father of lights. He gives you good gifts along this journey. And if you find that you get a little bit lost or disoriented or need direction, remember James has already said in verse 5, chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, then simply ask. And the Father will give generously. Ask in faith through prayer. I flew into SeaTac recently, and uh, we do this so often, but uh, I heard somebody on my row say, oh, looks like the traffic's not too bad on I-5 North. And what was he doing? He was you know, looking out of the airplane window and planning his trip home from the airport. We all, we all do that. How's the traffic? Am I going to make it home? And I thought about the difference in perspective that we have when we're looking from above and when we're looking from below at our lives. Just picture the difference between, let's say, looking through the viewing gallery at the top of the Space Needle and all the roads of Seattle laid out, the freeway and the city streets, what that looks like from a pie versus the way it looks like the way most of us experience on a daily basis when we're just looking through the windshield. You can only see the taillights in front of you. You see buildings and trees, but you really can't see very far. This is the difference between God's perspective on your career and our perspective on our career. See, God is outside of time and space. So God can look down, and all events are in an eternal now for God. God sees your beginning. God sees your end. He sees where the traffic is going to slow down and needs to be slow. He's going to see the traffic accidents. He sees where it can speed up. He sees the opportunities. He sees those moments where you get yourself lost. He knows not only how to get you unlost, but even to use those lost parts of the journey to make your life significant. Uh, as he gets you to where he wants you to be. So James says, don't just make this stuff up. You're not driving alone. Say, if the Lord wishes. Which, by the way, is not just a pious phrase that we ought to tack on to our statements so that people know we're believers. No. This is another way of living. It's about subordinating your plans to his plans. So James invites us to pay attention to God's wish in our careers. Last week, I had lunch with uh, a professor at the University of Washington. And he just retired, actually. And he said, George, I want to get your advice. I'm kind of curious about something, because something really strange happened a little over a year ago to me. Uh, been in my career at UW for 39 years, and I got an email from a student who said, just want you to know, I'm praying for you. He said, well, that sort of surprised me. Never gotten that before. And then I had a conversation with a colleague who happened to mention that he prayed for each of his students in his courses, in every class. And he goes, that really startled me. This is a public university. You can pray for your students? Yes, you can pray for your students. And he did. And then he said, George, over the next year, no less than 12 different faculty members at the U told me stories of prayer and how important prayer was in their lives. He goes, it just sort of spooked me. I thought, well, I've been at this university for 39 years, and I've had no awareness that there is so much spiritual vitality and prayer all around me that Jesus is actively at work. He goes, why, with only one year left, do I make this discovery? And I tried to be like Jesus or James, and I turned it around. I said, I don't know, what do you think? 
That's my question. He gave me permission to tell you what he said. He actually wrote this out for me. He says, I, t- I took this series of declarations as an invitation from God to pray and to be alert to how I might participate more with Jesus in the next phase of my life. It was a startling and joyous experience for me to hear these declarations and through them to hear God's invitation. He says, wow, I think God's all around me at work here. And I want to jump in and be a part of that. Well, where should I go? How long should I stay? And what should I do? There are no specific answers that I have or that James has for you. But if you want answers, you turn to Jesus Christ. And I think prayer is the way to do that. And I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that I so oftentimes uh, offer where I'm trying to change God's mind about my plans. I think James commends to us prayer in which we invite God to change our minds about his plans. To open our planning process every day to the plans that he has for us. Jesus, after all, is the model for us of a fulfilled career. Jesus fulfilled his career, the course of his life, not only for himself, but for all human beings. Jesus, who prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in the climax of his life. And how did he pray? He said, Father, not my will, not my wish, but thine be done. What is your life? Your life is more than you can possibly imagine. And I think that's what Joey discovered. So, in the final few minutes here, I want to invite Joey to come back up here because, as I promised, there's a little bit more to his story that I want you to hear. Joey, come on up here. And, Joey, I want to just take you back, if I may, to 2.45 a.m., that moment when you're sort of lingering over this web page <laughs> trying to decide whether to click submit, cancel. Yep. Would you tell us what's going through your head at that point? So, you know, that, that entire day was a bit of a blur because, you know, I, I wrote everyone back at about 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And the entire day, all I was seeing, because I was telling friends on Facebook what was going on, was, you need to go. Chance of a lifetime. You can't not go. You have to do this. And the entire day, I kept thinking, wow, that's really not something I have any interest in doing, right? <laughs> um, it was really kind of an uncomfortable thing. Huh. So. so you had doubts? You had a sense of insecurities, reservations? I think so. I mean, it was just something that, you know, people reasonably say, you should go, it'll be amazing. But I was like, well, I'm going to be the guy getting on the plane and going over there, right? It's <laughs> easy you for go. you to say. Exactly, easy <laughs> for you to say. But, and so what I decided is, you know, throughout the afternoon, I thought, well, okay, if I'm going to do this, and it was still a NIF at that point, uh, let me kind of prepare what I'm going to do. So I, we set up the GoFundMe campaign and everything else. And it got to that point, you know, late in the night where I was looking at those two buttons. And I kind of thought about it. And I said, I don't really know if this is what I want to be doing in my life. You know, I'm a, I'm a father. I have a young family. And, and is this really what I need to be doing at this time? And I closed my eyes. And when I opened them, I'd hit that submit button. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, here we go, right? So, and that was that point to where I, I really submitted into what was going to be going on. And when you wrote me, it was clear that you had you took this meeting submit kind of in a double way. I mean, yeah, it put the form into the uh, ether, but right. you, you, you focused on the word submit at some point. What did that mean to yeah. you, submit? I think what it really meant was just submitting to God's will and saying, okay, look, I don't know if I can take this road by myself, but as long as you're in the driver's seat, I'm going along with you. And I think that that's really what it meant for me is to say, okay, okay, I'm not sure what's going to be at the other end of this journey, um, but I'm willing to take that chance if you can come along with me. Wow, that's so. pretty cool. I think the word submit's got some negative connotations these days. We don't yeah. use it very positively yeah. uh, anymore. 
But it really means to sub is under and mitts to put to put something under, right? And uh, put our plans, I think, in this case, under the plans of God. Sure. And it can be negative if what we're putting ourselves under is not something good. But this is God. This is God who gives every good, every perfect gift. Uh, we have nothing to lose, and yet it right. does feel risky. It does. But, you know, I guess the way I look at it is that, I mean, in reality, our lives, we're just called to be stewards of that. You know, God gives us these lives, and, and if this is something that I felt like was a calling that I can participate in, and, and, I mean, look what came out of it, right? If I had hit that cancel button, what would have happened? Never would have met Jeff. Never would have had the, the over 400 people that came out and said, this story really touched me and everything else. And and all of this wouldn't be happening. I would have just went to bed, yeah. you know, and, and this is what's happened, and I've been so blessed by it. It's a crazy adventure. You said you got an agent in... In, in yes. Los Angeles? Yeah, Los Angeles, yeah. And um, movie rights and producers have been calling Potentially, you. that's what we're looking at, yeah. But the, really the nice thing about this story, I think, is that, and something I haven't mentioned yet, but I will hear, is that, you know, when Jeff and I have really started to connect, he has really told me how much his story has blessed him and that him and Amy have pledged that they're going to pay this forward ten times. Mm. And so they're going to go out, and after receiving this, they're going to pay it forward and, and really continue it on. So I'm just happy to have been a part of it. And one of the things I love about Joyce is uh, he's always deferred attention to, to Jeff and Amy and all the interviews on TV. And there's a real humility about you, and it reminds Reminds me of John the Baptist, who said, "I'm the friend of the bridegroom. You know, uh, he must increase, I must decrease." You've got a sense of that uh, with respect to Jeff, and I think it reminds me of what we can do as we bring attention to Jesus Christ Absolutely. in our lives. Joey, we've been talking about career uh, today, and I just wonder as you look at this, you're in information technology. Right. You're a computer guy. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you plan on being an internet celebrity for the rest uh, of your life, <laughs> but do you draw any lessons from this experience about your career moving forward? Yeah, I think it just gives me the courage to, to take those steps when it's not comfortable. I mean, there's so many decisions in life that we can make where it's an easy choice, and, and that's fine, but then there are these times when it is really difficult, and I think that as long as we're comfortable saying, okay, I need to put God in the driver's seat here and, and let me go along for the ride, it really makes things easier. As long as you have the courage to do it, you just have to take that first step. Isn't it a strange world that we live in, uh, this whole viral thing that a story can get this kind of attention. It's a really fun story, and it's great that people have been able to enjoy it. There's been a lot of recognition for Joey. I don't know how many millions of people have seen clips. But I want to think about us. Um, you can get uh, in the car with Jesus and allow him to drive and never get recognition for it. And I just want to acknowledge that. But that someday... The Bible teaches those who believe in Jesus Christ will step into eternity and we will see Jesus face to face. There's this moment of recognition. We'll know him fully as we have been fully known. And I believe that in that moment, our eyes will be open to the impact of our lives, the people who have hope because of the small, simple acts of kindness that we offered uh, over the course of our lives. I, I just imagine people lining up to thank you for what you did. And I think the line's going to be longest, not for pastors, um, but for, for people whose names are not even known, for people who just in quiet, out-of-the-way places, have lived lives of humility, have been gentle, kind, have served, have worked for justice and healing and renewal, renewal in people's lives. Um, that is something to look forward to, that moment of recognition. What is your life? I think it's far more than you can ever think of. But think about what my life is, the way I want to answer that question is, well, my life is what it is to Jesus. Your life is what it is to Jesus. And what did Jesus think of your life? Jesus died for your life. As they say, if you were the only person alive, I believe the Son of God would have come, taken on flesh, died for you, lived for you, send the Holy Spirit for you to go through life uh, with you. Your life 
matters. It has a, a great impact. Your career matters. So let's pray for one another as we close this time. Lord Jesus, thank you for the mystery of life. Thank you for loving us in this way. Thank you for coming to live your life within us through your Holy Spirit. That on Monday morning, uh, we can know we've got an adventure in front of us. It might feel absolutely ordinary, but you would, you would offer something different. And so we pray that uh, as we go through this uh, journey with you, that you will give us your wisdom, Jesus. Would you help those of us who've been really driving a little, little bit too fast and we need to uh, pull over, slow down, uh, maybe just rest. Or those of us who've been poking along and it's time for us to punch the accelerator a little bit, take some risks. We pray for those of us who are just graduating, just starting the journey, that you give them your dreams and courage to pursue them. We pray for those of us that are at the end of the journey and things look different now, but there is still a calling and perhaps the best is yet to come. We ask your blessing on all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joey. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.